Can we agree it's been a really weird week? I can't remember the last time in my life that I've refreshed websites so many times, watching the, the spread of coronavirus around the world and around our state, around our country, S watching the schools close and just over and over new news coming out about new cases and new closures and new regulations. You may have even seen at the church just two or three different times we had to change with the cafe and with the church what we're doing this week. It's been a crazy week. And some of you have been watching your stock market app all week long, just refreshing and refreshing and watching the ups and downs and ups and downs. Some of you have been thinking about the fact that your kids might be coming home to be with you for a really long spring break. And you're starting to think about childcare and how you're gonna navigate the next several weeks of your life as everything seems to be up in the air. Now, even out in the community, as you walk around the streets, it feels like this, there's this eerie culture of fear that hovers everywhere. You know, I spent some time this week and was kind of scrolling through the photos on my phone from the last seven days. And I, I realized that there's a lot of weird stuff going on. My wife, Jessica, and I were out in the city about a week ago and kind of walking around. And, and we noticed as we're walking around the city that there's nobody outside. It was a ghost town. And there was this peace that kind of descended on us, but at the same time, we knew the reason no one was going outside, and it was this eerie, strange peace. We even took our kids to gymnastics at one point, and they were playing out in the park, and there's no cars on the road, no people in the park. There's a little group of guys playing basketball in the back, but it's just, it's just us out there. It's weird. Even when I was working on this sermon, I, I looked around the place that I was studying, and I took a photo, there's nobody here. It's just me in this whole room and all these chairs and all these areas, just empty and quiet and serene. Now, even now, I'm standing here in front of this camera talking to you at church and, and no one's here and it's quiet. And on one hand, it's peaceful, but on the other, other hand, it's this, it's this eerie, strange kind of peace. As I thought about the best way to describe life in our world this week, the phrase that came to mind is that everything has ceased, but there is no peace. There's all this unrest and stress and pressure in our spirits as we think about what's happening in our world and what's happening with our money, what's happening with our jobs, what's happening with our kids, what's happening with our schedules, what's happening in the weeks to come. And even though it's quiet, it's not a peaceful quiet. It's a stressful, high-pressure, angsty quiet. And there's no school, but it doesn't feel like summer vacation. And maybe your hours are getting cut back at work, but it doesn't feel like you're going on vacation. We're not at church together this week, but it doesn't feel like a week off. It just feels like everything is weird and, and up in the air. So this morning, as, as we connect to talk about peace in the midst of the craziness of this season, the question that I want to look at the text to answer is this one. How do we find peace in a stressful world? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 14 that he is peace and has peace to give to us, but how do we connect with the peace that only Jesus can bring? Now this morning, I wanna actually look at the book of John chapter 16. And if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Some of you are used to looking up the Bible on your phone, but now you're watching church online on your phone. You're gonna have to make a decision. I don't know how you're gonna navigate that. If you wanna leave the room and find a real Bible, you can do that. I'm not gonna be offended. I can't see you, you can see me. But if wherever you are, find a Bible. If you don't have one, we'll put it up on the screen. John 16, 33 is the verse we'll look at this morning. So find it, 
And Jesus says this, says, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. I want to take a moment and pray together as we dive into this text. And if you're in a group of people right now watching and everybody's talking, you don't have to shush everyone. But at the same time, if you want to close your eyes and pray, it's totally fine to do that. If you're alone, if you're in a safe place to close your eyes, you can pray with me or even use the prayer button. If you're watching online for church online right now, you can submit a prayer request of your own as we pray. But I'm going to pray for us as we dive into the text this morning. So let's join together in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we know that one of the things that we need more than anything else in this season is, is your peace that you say you bring. Jesus, we, we love that you know that we have trouble in this world and, and we're supposed to take heart, but we admit that we don't know how to do that. And so we pray that in a season like this, with the stress of this world and the uncertainty of what we experience and the pressure we feel, we pray that, that a peace that transcends all understanding would descend upon us even now as we gather together remotely as a church family. That you would connect with us as individuals, that you would connect with us who are gathered in small communities, that you would connect with us as we're not connected in a physical presence maybe, that we would sense the prayers of each other ascending to you in unison. We pray for the churches around our city. We pray for those who are gathered in huddles. We pray for those in our homes right now and we pray that you would give us your peace as we look at your text at this time. And we pray that you would meet with us individually, corporately, together as we encounter your word this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. In this passage, Jesus starts with a a bold declaration that is, I think, meant to give us some reassurance. It's seven words. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. I see a couple things here right off the bat. The first is these first three words, in this world. And Jesus draws out, even as he talks about the trouble in our present age, that there is more than one world out there. You know, there's this world, this system that we live in, in which, in a sense, in which God does not reign in his fullness, right? We live in a place that is broken. We live in a world that is hurting. We live in a world that is uncertain. We live in a world that is temporary. We're gonna live in this world for 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, not forever. We're in this world for this time, but there's another world that's different. There's a world of the kingdom of the heavens in which Jesus reigns that is beautiful and amazing and eternal. There's a world that someday we'll inhabit where Jesus is with his people forever and ever and ever. But today, today we live in this world. And Jesus says, in this world, we will have trouble. This kind of sounds like a, a, a hard thing to hear on one hand, but on the other hand, I find a little bit of reassurance in, in that Jesus is aware that our world is falling apart. And sometimes we ask in a season like this, do, does God know what's happening down here? And, and the answer is yes, that when Jesus walked the earth, when he entered into our world, he entered into a world that is falling apart and broken and there is terror and there is death and there is destruction, there is disease, there is hardship at every turn. And Jesus knows that. I, I, 
this week has been so crazy, a lot of us have forgotten that in recent weeks, we've had more terrible things happening in our world. Just last week, we gathered in this room that I'm in right now with 600 people and mourned the loss of a beautiful young lady in our community, Lana Carlos. There was a hit and run accident. Her life was taken from her too early and we mourned as a community. And Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. You remembered that last week. And this week, of course, we're we're realizing the troubles of this world as we watch our, our retirement funds go up and down as we watch the stock market crash and rebound and crash and rebound, as we watch the disease spread throughout these countries, as we watch Italy and China and Korea and the States and all of these other countries experience death and hardship and disease and a pandemic emerging, a global crisis happening, we remember that in this world, we have trouble. And some of us are facing situations at work where our hours are being cut or the sales aren't coming in or our clients are ditching because they don't have funds in this tumultuous time and we realize that in this world, this world we have trouble. And walking around our city, we realize there are a lot of people who are at risk in, in this diseased time. And folks who are elderly and having a hard time leaving their house without fear that they'll be catching this sickness that can take their lives of folks who are struggling in the midst of this housing crisis with homelessness and they're at risk for these health issues and these housing issues and these exposure to the elements issues and they're realizing and we're realizing that in this world, in this world we have trouble. Jesus knows that we have trouble in this world. I was struck this week, I was reading on Twitter a a story that a woman named Rebecca posted of experience she had with coronavirus in her own town. I wanted to read that for us. Rebecca says this. She says, I went to the grocery store this afternoon. As I was walking in, I heard a woman yell to me from her car. I walked over and found an elderly woman and her husband. She cracked her window open a bit more and explained to me nearly in tears that they're afraid to go into the store. They're in their 80s and here the coronavirus is affecting older people disproportionately. And they don't have family around to help them out. And through the crack in the window, she handed me a $100 bill and a grocery list and asked if I would be willing to buy her groceries. I bought the groceries, placed them in her trunk and gave her back the change. And she told me she had been sitting in the car for 45 minutes before I had arrived, waiting to ask the right person for help. Can you imagine being 80 years old, being in your car and hungry and needing food, but terrified to walk into a public area because of the culture that we live in right now. This is a world in which there is trouble. You know, the Greek word for trouble in this passage is a word that can be literally translated pressure. And that's kind of how it feels in a season like this. It means stress, oppression, affliction, tribulation, distress. Everything that we feel as we walk the streets, everything we think about as we're washing our hands for 20 seconds, everything we think when our schools are closed and our churches are closed and our communities are changing and everything's up in the air, it's that pressure, that stress, that distress, that affliction that comes from being in a world in which there is trouble. As I read this verse in John 16, I feel like Jesus is saying to us, about the world we live in and the trouble that it brings, just two words, I know. I know you live in a world where there's trouble. 
I know there's a world around you where there's brokenness and depression and disease. I know that the place you live is is not perfect. I know that it's falling apart. I know that people are dying. I know that people are having a hard time. I know there's fear and anxiety and stress at every turn. I know your pain. This is in this world, you will have trouble. And for me, it's encouraging to think that in this tumultuous time that God sees us in our pain and he knows what we're experiencing. If you were at church last week or listened to the message online, Pastor Buzz brought a great message about the beauty of compassion, about the way that God calls us as people to come alongside those who are hurting and sit with them and stew with them and experience the pain that they're experiencing and not moving on too quickly, to come alongside folks who are terrified in the season and knowing their pain with them. For folks who are mourning to bear with them and sit with them and not move on from them, but to just be with them. But I said, that, that's what compassion is, is just slowing down and being with people and knowing what they're experiencing. And I hear Jesus extending that same compassion to us as he says, I know what you're going through. Jesus knew that we'd be in a season like this millennia before we, we stepped into it. Jesus knew about your personal situation before it happened. He knows what's happening in your life right now. And he's not just standing there with his arms crossed saying, yeah, I know what you're going through. He knows in a way where he wants to bring his peace to you. He knows in a, a compassionate way. I remember a story that I, I heard over and over again when I first started working here at this church about 20 years ago. We had a senior pastor named Jake Bielig, who was our senior pastor from like 1954 until 1996, 42 years. And, and Jake was telling us one day about what he does when he's meeting with a, a couple or a family who's in crisis because a loved one passed away and they're unsure of their spiritual state. maybe the mom of a kid who would die or a husband of a wife who'd pass away or a grandparent of a grandkid who would die or whatever would come and say, Pastor Jake, how do we know whether or not my loved one is with the Lord? How do we know that they're in heaven at this time? And Jake said, I I don't know. He said, I just say, I say the same thing every time to every family when there is uncertainty. He says, I look at the family and I say, this is what we do know. God loves your loved one more than either of us do, and he knows. And Jake said, I I can't tell you how often just that simple phrase that God knows and that God loves and that God cares is a statement that brings peace to the heart of people whose lives are, are in shambles. Or maybe all you need to hear today as you watch online or listen to this message is that God knows the pain that you're in and he wants to sit with you in it. He has compassion for you. He wants to bring you his peace. He knows. Some of you are listening though and you're saying that doesn't help. That's not helpful at all. The fact that God knows what's happening down here just makes me mad. How can God know that all these people are dying and do nothing about it? How can God know about my personal situation I'm dealing with and not do anything to change it? Why is it that if God knows he hasn't come down to this place and brought peace into my life, how can God know about my distress and do nothing? Sometimes it's harder to know that God loves us when the world is falling apart. God, how can you know that the markets are crashing? How can you know and not stop the spread of disease? How, God, how are you not stopping what we're experiencing as a culture, as a world, as a global community, God? I love to hear that you know, but God, 
Where are you? Jesus, when he tells us that he brings us peace, Jesus, when he tells us that we will have trouble in this world, he he doesn't say, you will have trouble and I got this. He doesn't say, hey, you have trouble and I'll fix this. Jesus doesn't promise that the troubles we're experiencing, he's going to come down and change everything. When Jesus says, I know you have trouble, he says two words in response. He says, take heart, take heart. When I first read that this week, I felt like God's doing that thing where he pats you on the head and says, there, there, take heart. I know there's a global pandemic, but don't worry about it. Just take courage, be of good cheer, take heart. It feels like a, a platitude. And Jesus kind of sets up this idea that in this world, there'll be trouble. He has peace for us. And then he says, take heart. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I hear that and it's hard to take heart. It kind of brings us back to the question that we started with at the beginning. How do we find peace in a stressful world? Because telling someone to have peace does not give them peace. Telling you to take heart is not going to allow you to take heart. Telling you it's gonna be okay is not gonna just make it all okay. And so I started studying this phrase, take heart in the scriptures. And I found something I'd never seen before as I looked through all of the gospel writers' accounts of this phrase, take heart. Every time every gospel writer uses this phrase, they tag it with another phrase that comes right after that tells us the reason why taking heart is something that we should be able to step into. So for example, in the book of Matthew, Jesus comes to someone who is ailing and afflicted and he stands before him and he says, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. It's not just take heart, it'll be okay. He says, no, I'm gonna change your spiritual state. I'm gonna forgive your sins. And because your life is about to change in a glorious way, take heart. 20 verses later, Jesus arrives on scene with a, a woman who is sick and ailing. And he says the same thing to her. He says, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. He doesn't just say take heart in a vacuum. He says, I want you to take heart because I'm about to heal you of your disease. And so right before the miracle happens, I want you to take courage because something's about to happen that will change your life forever. I will give you my peace, but not in a vacuum. I will give you my peace as a response to who I am and what I'm about to do. Even when Jesus is walking on the Sea of Galilee and the disciples are terrified and they see him coming and they think he's a ghost, Jesus says, take heart. It is I, do not be afraid. You know, the one who comes before you is not coming to hurt you. The one that's coming before you is the one who can calm the storm. The one who's coming to you is the one who created the seas. The one who's coming to you is the one who wants to bring goodness and beauty to your life. You can take heart because I am the one who is coming to bring peace to what is ailing you. And so of course, the million dollar question as we look at John chapter 16, verse 33 today is, what does Jesus say he's done that makes peace of heart a viable option for us? What's the phrase that comes right after take heart in John chapter 16? Some of you are turning there now and I can't see you, so do whatever you want. Some of you see what Jesus says right here. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We talked a little bit about the fact earlier that this world is not the only world that exists. And Jesus says the world that 
that you've stepped into and that you live in is a world that I have been victorious over. And it kind of reminds us of the reason that Jesus came to earth in the first place is that he saw that our world was broken and ailing. He saw the pain and hurt and disease. He saw the lives of the people who were shattered and broken and discouraged and depressed and ailing and anxious and hurting. He saw that and he stepped into our world. And as Jesus walked the earth, he brought peace wherever he went. He found that woman and he healed her affliction. He found that man in sin. He healed his sin. He saw the seas. He calmed the seas. He brought children back to their families again. He resurrected the dead. He brought peace wherever he went. And then he went to the cross and he carried the weight of the sin of mankind on his shoulders and died a death that all of us deserved. And then on Easter Sunday, Jesus arose victorious from the grave. And his victory in that moment was the victory that conquered sin and the victory that ushered in a new life for anyone who believes that was designed since before the foundation of the world to start merging our world towards the kingdom of the heavens. And Jesus raises from the grave. He ascends to the heavens. He sits at the right hand of the throne of God. He sends forth his spirit. And then if you read the book of Acts in the New Testament, you see that from his heavenly throne, Jesus starts working everywhere to bring peace in the world. He reunites folks. He raises folks. He opens prison doors. He brings out his mission. He equips his people to live godly lives. And he starts changing the world forever. His peace starts reigning from that throne. And so here in John 16, When Jesus says that you will have trouble in this world and he says, let me give you the reason for the courage that I'm bringing to you. This is why you should take heart, he says, because my death, my resurrection, my victory over this world is a victory that will change the way that you encounter your day-to-day experience in this broken world. And today, if you're looking for peace, I wanna put a phrase on, on the screen that I, I want you to think about, I'm gonna put it up there for a little bit. I know there's a lot of words in this thing. Our peace in this world will be proportionate to our faith in the power and plan of Jesus Christ. Our our peace in this world will be proportionate to our faith in the power and plan of Jesus Christ. Here's what this means. That the more unrest you have, the more you're gonna need to lean on Jesus. And the more you lean on Jesus, the more he will bring you his peace. All right, here's a simpler way to say it. If you want peace, lean into Jesus to find peace. That's where peace comes from, right? In this season that we're living in where everything's up in the air, I know it sounds like a platitude to say, just trust Jesus, but I'm telling you, this is what he's saying to us, his victory over sin and death, his initiation of this new kingdom, the beauty of what he has done in this world is something that as we really start to wrestle with it, it does change the way that we relate with even a global pandemic. I was studying this week the history of the church and and how Christians throughout the ages have dealt in seasons of a viral outbreak, right? There was the black plague, there was worldwide virus. There were these different times where people were dying in droves and the Christian churches had to figure out what that meant for them and their relationship with God. And there was one common thread that I found in every time the church would engage with something terrible in the world. And it was this, the Christians throughout the ages have taken up the attitude to say, you know what? We believe in Jesus 
we're going to heaven. We are the resurrected ones. And so it's our job to go into this dying world and bring life, right? If people were ailing and sick and no one would care for them because they were scared to catch the plague, scared to catch the disease, it was the Christians who'd go out into the streets and gather those who were dying and bring them into their own homes. And they would die themselves sometimes. And they said, you know what? It doesn't matter if I die because I'm going to heaven. Right, my neighbor who's going to hell, I don't want them to leave their house. I'll leave my house. I'll go to the hospital. I'll leave my house. I'll go to the streets. I'll leave my house. I'll go to the homeless. I'll go to the hurting. And if I catch it and I die, I'm fine. I have peace because the kingdom that I live in is not the kingdom of this world. Their trust and faith in Jesus and his overcoming of this world changed the way they dealt with even an international viral crisis. And I found this quote that I want to put on the screen and read to you from a, an early church father who said this, heedless of the danger, the Christians took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. And with them departed this life. They'd passed away, departed this life serenely happy for they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. That was the attitude of the Christian church in times of great crisis was, it's my joy to come alongside the hurting and absorb what's ailing them and lead them to Christ in the process so that we might both inherit eternal life. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is a time for us to be unsafe. This is not a time for you to go and try to get sick, right? That's what hospitals are for. That's what doctors are for, right? But at the same time, I think what we need to realize is that our faith in Jesus should give us a different kind of peace as our neighbors as we deal with something like this. Now, I've said this before and I'll say it again. We lean into Jesus to find peace in a time like this. Right? Jesus said right before the, the passage that we've been walking through for the last few minutes, he says, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. That's the reason he's telling us to take heart. That's the reason he's telling us he's overcome the world is because he wants us to find the peace that only he can bring. So lean into him to find peace. And if you're watching on church online right now, this, this might be a great time where you can do it after the message to click on the prayer request button and share what's going on in you. What, what's the hardship that you're facing? Where do you need peace? Where do you need to lean on Jesus? Let some folks enter into your life and bring compassion and love and prayers to you in this time and, and find some peace as others wrestle with you and teach you and encourage you to lean on Christ together with them in a time like this. This is a season for us as the world is seemingly falling apart to find peace by leaning on Jesus. We lead on Jesus to find peace. We also lead on Jesus to find purpose. And I love that, that tweet that we read a little bit earlier about the woman helping with groceries. And as I've been kind of looking at how different Christians in this day and age have been responding to this coronavirus outbreak, I've seen a lot of those types of things. People saying, I'm going to go to my neighbor's house and pick up some groceries for them because they're elderly and they can't leave. But I'm going to slow down and, and abide with some folks who are scared and nervous and anxious and they have no peace. And I'm going to bring some compassion to them in this time and, and sit with them and pray for them from afar or together and bring the peace of Christ by leaning in when folks are scared. All right, we've been talking as a church this week of, of the opportunities that might arise even in the midst of this crazy season where we're doing church online. 
We think of the thousands of people out there in our community who, had never, who have never stepped foot in a church and may never want to step foot in a church, but now we have a platform to go into the world and bring the gospel through this online church experience to folks who may never step into a church. Otherwise, there's an opportunity to lean in to the purpose God has given us in a season even like this. Maybe this is a time for you as you're wrestling with what it means for you to be a member of a church in a time when a church is not meeting regularly. Maybe this is a great time for you to gather some folks who are far from God or gather some folks in your neighborhood or gather some folks that you've never talked to before or that you've never met with personally before and say, hey, come on over. Let's get a small group of us and hang out and do church online together. Let's, let's lean into Jesus in the midst of the troubles of this world and not just find peace together but find purpose together. And as a church in the next few weeks, we're gonna keep you posted because we're looking for some different opportunities of ways that we can engage in a beautiful, meaningful way in helping our community in a season where there is anxiety and stress and pressure everywhere we go. We wanna be the church for each other in this time. That's why gathering together, even in a digital way is good but we wanna be the church for those who are far from God in this time. We wanna engage with the at-risk population. We wanna engage with folks who are far from God. We wanna bring the peace of God to those who are anxious and troubled and stressed out in a season where life seems to be falling apart. We wanna bring the, the calming, peaceful presence of Jesus on purpose wherever we go. And the world has kind of come to a grinding halt And so in the season where you may be tempted to be filled with fear, I just want to encourage you that God has peace for you amidst the chaos that seems to reign out there in this world. Lean into Jesus and find that peace. And God has a purpose for you. Even in a season like this, your kids are all coming home. You don't know what you're going to do for the next few weeks. Everything is different in your life. There's a purpose of God for you to lean into this season and be his hands, his feet, his heart, his mouthpiece, his touch of love, his servant to the world, even in a season that it seems like we're all separating apart. And God has a purpose for you to bring his love wherever you go. I want to pray for us today as we close uh, this sermon time. So if you're, if you're still listening, bow your head, close your eyes, and let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you are the author of peace. And Jesus, you are the one the scriptures call the prince of peace. You tell us that you bring your peace to us and we admit that many of us are anxious in this difficult time. We pray that we'd be able to lean on you in this season and find peace as we rest in you, that we would experience a peace that transcends understanding, but at the same time that we would experience a peace that comes from the knowledge of the resurrection and the beauty of your kingdom and that we would be at peace knowing that this place is not our home. We pray that you would give us mission and purpose and a beautiful reason for being in a season when life is changing, that you would use us to reach our neighbors, that you would use us to serve the disadvantaged, that you would use us to be your hands, your feet, your mouthpiece, wherever we go. 
And we pray that as we gather online for this season, that you would keep us knit together, whether it's through things like chat rooms and texts or through small gatherings throughout the week or however you wanna do it. We pray that the beauty of your church would not be tarnished in a season where we don't all get to see each other. And we pray that you'd bring us back to be together soon so that we can worship you in the way that you've designed us to worship you as a beautiful community. And we trust that you'll be with us even as we're separated in this season and that you would bring your peace to each of us as individuals and as a community. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, amen.